Hello, everybody. This is Joshua Hatton with One Nation Under Whiskey podcast. I am joined today and as always with Jason and once again in a hotel room with you about seven-eighths naked uh, lying in a bed. <laughs> now that's an introduction. <laughs> lying in a separate bed. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying. <laughs> but uh, first and foremost, seven-eighths naked. Oh, we're back to this again? Oh, right. I thought we just yeah, moved no, away from not. that. <laughs> Hotel room in Chicago, we should probably add. Yeah. Hotel room in Chicago, and really early after a, a long night. Yeah. We should not be recording at this time in the morning. But here we are. That's the reality. I'm just impressed that you're not leaving on a 6 a.m. flight. I know, which right? It's kind of your go-to. You it's tend to make terrible plans. It's my thing. But I think you stopped me from doing that. Look at me, and look at you listening to me. So mm-hmm. thank you for that. It's a rarity. So why are we in Chicago together, Joshua? We are in we <laughs> we are in Chicago together because you know, basically through the fourth whiskey jubilee in this fair city. I like your use of basically. Like there's a complicated version of this. Let let Joshua, Mister, back it up. That's he's just basically going to tell you. The simplest part of this. Well, I figured we could just wrap up the podcast there. Basically. <laughs> it was a good night. Cheers. It was a good night. <laughs> yeah, basically, it was a good night. Cheers. <laughs> yeah, so we we're here for Jubilee. And do you know why? Do you remember the, the bits of the conversation of of why I should be flying out on a slightly later flight and not in early flight? So we can record the podcast? So we could record the podcast as broken men. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i feel like i've been more broken after new york yesterday was a pretty decent little setup it was a busy busy show i, I will say that we opened the doors on the stroke of seven and i've never seen my table busier some people were reporting four deep uh, oh <laughs> We're back to that again. I think that's a callback to the last uh, episode. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so four uh, distinct rows of people standing in front of the table. Oh, look at you clarifying. <laughs> <laughs> Given where you took four deep, I wanted to just make it a little what clearer you, I, to the I listeners. Just, I just kind of said, "Whoa, you don't know what I was thinking." I always oh, penis with you. I do know what you're thinking. I do know. <laughs> there were some people at the table, um, mm-hmm. big podcast fans. That's nice. Well, especially of ours, which was really nice. <laughs> They're podcast fans, not ours, but they really enjoy podcasts. Never heard of One Nation Under Whiskey. Yeah. Mm. It's more true crime for them. <laughs> yeah, there were people who just said, you know, thanks for doing what you do. The The podcast is fantastic. Uh, the whiskey releases are fantastic. And like shaking my hand, thanking me for what we do. And it's that's nice. It's amazing when that happens. Uh, also, the number of people who said, I feel like I really know you and Joshua uh, from the podcast. That's cool. You know, we lay ourselves bare, we say stupid things. And uh, yeah. Yeah, I think people get to see the real us. I think, you know, you should probably reorder that. We say stupid things, we lay ourselves bare. I think we'd say more stupid things than... I think you maybe share more than I do. I think you certainly share plenty about me. (laughs) (laughs) What was our fraction? Seven-eighths naked? Seven-eighths. Yeah, I got to... 
so you being behind the table, you get to, to pour for people mm-hmm. and, and have some conversation. I was just walking around uh, doing my bit, uh, talking to the exhibitors and, and just seeing some familiar faces. Saw Dan Grison. Hmm. Uh, had a nice little conversation with him. Um, he's he's the one. So I'm going to put this out there, Jason. I don't think it was last episode. I think it was the episode before that. When you were asking if you could use the term American bourbon whiskey. Is that Dan Grison? That's Dan Grison. He's a good lad. <sighs> so if you've not seen this, Dan Grison... Uh, so if you don't remember... A couple episodes ago, Jason started using the term American bourbon whiskey or asked if he could use it. And I said, no, 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 you can't do that. Bourbon is bourbon. There's it's no bourbon. way I asked if I could do it. I was definitely just using it. No, but you were like, you know, is, is it acceptable? I know, you weren't asking for my permission to use it. No, you went off on a tirade and said, if you ever use American bourbon again, I'm going to burn this podcast to the ground. I don't Those were your exact words. Oh my gosh. You were so Revisionist upset. history. Yeah, yeah no, you're backtracking history. right now so, so that what Dan Grison did <laughs> has less impact on you. And I will not stand for that, young sir. <laughs> so, so Dan found a picture of some bourbon... It was a blended bourbon, uh, but it said American bourbon. American bourbon, get away from me. American bourbon. Somehow you made that song worse. You are welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Who else Um, did I see? Tim Gullick's Rudd. Oh, yeah, great lad. Great. Good beard. Yeah. Oh, I love his beard. Solid looking beard. Yeah, it's got, it's straight. Yeah. Mine doesn't do that. Mine turns into pubic hair on the face. <laughs> See, you're right. I do share. I do share. <laughs> I saw a lot of other people. Matthew Gore came out. Of course, the Nolans were there. Uh, Michael yeah. Bloom was there. Yeah. That was really terrific. Yeah, and Aaron Krause flying out from L.A. yet again. Always remarkable. Uh, uh, Angelo from Booze Dancing. I flew out. Came in from PA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really nice. A couple of fellas drove up from Kansas uh, and didn't just drive up from Kansas, but came up with gifts as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was remarkable. Yeah, it was cool. So Sean Muller, and uh, I'm going to, I think he said his name was Jared. It's kind of loud, but I apologize. But they came up and they came up bearing gifts. That's a thing, apparently. <laughs> Other attendees, take note. <laughs> <laughs> but what? not only did they drive eight and a half hours to get to the Jubilee, a gift in and of itself. Tremendous. Uh, they had golden bags filled with golden liquid. Filled with bottles filled with golden liquid. <laughs> Just the thought of somebody giving you a gift. <laughs> it's in a bottle bag, but it's just full of liquid. <laughs> and it's soaking through and <laughs> dripping. <laughs> I got this for you. <laughs> I got you something. It is yours. <laughs> I think you're going to really like this. But how generous. Tremendous. Yeah, that was really, really, really cool. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was thoroughly enjoyable. It's almost my favourite aspect of the jubilee are just the number of friends who stop by and members of the nation listeners of the podcast 
people have flown around the country attending all the jubilees. It's it's incredibly rewarding. Yeah. And a ton of fun. That's the most important part. Ton of fun. Tons of fun. Don't know if I said that clearly. No, no, it's, you know. (laughs) What I enjoyed about it, and I think it was Michael Bloom who said this last night, so we did it for those uh, listening. We did our after party at Fountainhead, uh, which, which was good, good, good fun. And Michael Bloom came up to me and he said, you know, this festival is so fun. I didn't even need to drink. I could have just been around drinking water. Like the drink is just a nice bonus because you get there and it becomes this community of people that, that know each other through whiskey. They recognize there some people wearing single cast nation shirts, uh, just, you know, all good whiskey people coming out together. Yeah. Just friends. Like you said, so many friends coming out. Yeah. Yeah. Really terrific. I will tell you that in the first literally 30 seconds all right. Of the event. Is this a millennial literal? <laughs> this is a literal literal. Oh, okay. Michael Nolan was going over to say hello to some people, and they just went straight past him to get to our table to start drinking the light whiskey, the 25-year-old Seagram's. And for the first time ever, yeah. not only did a whiskey jubilee festival bottling not last for the event. Uh-huh. It didn't make it the first hour. It's amazing. I was I was watching I was watching closely because I obviously I worry about these things running mm. out quickly, uh, which is what I ended up doing. In the first eight minutes of the show, mm-hmm. I poured seventy five percent of the bottle. So let's put this into perspective. <laughs> you use a measured pourer. Yep. Quarter ounce. Yep. Now, this is a 75 CL bottle. Yep. Or Americans may know it as 750 milliliters. And from a 750 milliliter bottle, one can get 100 quarter ounce pours from it. That's it. And in eight minutes, you went through 75% of the bottle? Yep, exactly. That that sounds like a bit more than four fingers deep in clunge. And then, while you're finally putting your knob to good use, me and Neil will be tapping up the campus clunge. Going to have a quick tactical wank now. Then, once you put some clunge around it, you'll be able to go for hours. All right, let's keep this party simples. Just us, a crate of vodka, and a jacuzzi full of clunge. I promise you, Si, we'll go somewhere so full of fit birds, it'll be like shooting clunge in a barrel. But is it as much as seven-eighths naked? <laughs> it's about seven wood. Always a piece No, that was to one of the new Jura bottlings. It's called Sevenwood. Ah. See that? I'm trying to bring it back to whiskey. And you keep it down. You keep it to the base, whatever. Sevenwood. Yeah, so, okay, so obviously that was a popular one. What else did you have at your table? Because we sold it via lottery, I wanted to reward those people who showed up to the Jubilee. I had the 10-year-old wild turkey single barrel on the table. And whereas the light whiskey managed to last for just under an hour, Mm -hmm. the 10-year-old wild turkey lasted for just under two hours. Okay. (laughs) Longer than I expected, to be honest. I've never run out of whiskey. I've never emptied bottles at any Jubilee ever. Not even our festival bottling? 
No. Like, I've got to the very last minute of the third hour. Yeah. And and finished a bottle. Oh, okay, um, okay, okay, okay. But during a show, while still being there too poor, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I've never, never had empty bottles on the table. Obviously, the festival bottle had to stay on the table. Yeah. So <laughs> did you get people coming up like, I want some of the festival bottle. Yes. I can't wait. I've been yes. waiting. Yes. And then what's the look on their face when you tell them? Huge disappointment. Yeah. Real crushing you used to that, defeat. You? <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at that look right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, so it was, it was a bummer not being able to pour you know that that type of liquid for three hours. But they're finite bottles. Everybody understood. A number of people had said, "Oh, I didn't come early because you were so busy." Mm. Um, I thought I'd swing back later. And then you can like, oh, there's a reason we were busy early, but everybody wanted to taste this. So. I tell you, in a way, this reminds me of, of something I saw at the first and only Whiskey Fest Chicago that I that I went to. And, 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 and by no way am I comparing what I'm about to say to us, but there's echoes of it. I remember going to that, I was pouring at that festival. But just a row down was the the pappy table, and you see this just line of people mm, yeah. going to the pappy table because they want to taste the pappy. And there's a reason people stay in the line because if they say, "Oh, I'll come back," <laughs> they'll just miss it. <laughs> uh, I'm sure they, <laughs> I'm sure they uh, ran out of whiskey far quicker than we did. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it reminded me of that. I remember seeing that line saying, "Holy moly." Yeah, reminds me of the Yamazaki 84 that they released in San Francisco one year. Okay. And and again, just people standing in line and long line at that. So you're there during the VIP time. You could be rushing around having, you know, scotch from the 50s, scotch from the 60s. And and this would have been in 2009, 2010, somewhere around there. And uh, yeah, people just lined up for Yamazaki 84. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a good whiskey. Oh yeah, yeah, it was yeah tasty, tasty back in the day. Um, also, mm-hmm. going quite quickly on the table, this one lasted just under two and a half hours. Was our Invergordon nineteen seventy four? Uh, that's in retail. Okay, so see, so how many bottles did you actually empty? Uh, three, emptied okay. three, and then our. Retail undisclosed space side twenty eight year old yeah the beautifully sherried Dal Ewan mm-hmm. people went bananas for that yeah um, and that probably had I don't know an inch or two left in it it, it looked like a normal popular jubilee yeah. bottling yeah yeah where you're saying okay people hit that hard probably made about 75, 80 pours out of it yeah uh, maybe a little bit more. And it lasted the night. Everybody who wanted it got yep. to taste it. So it was yep. it was more typical in that regard. But um, but people would come up to the table and say, you know, what should I be drinking here? And because I love grain, and because it was mm. distilled the month I was born, yeah, yeah. Um, I poured a lot of the Invergordon, and and a yeah. lot of people just were floored by it. The other reason that I was kind of heavily pushing that. Is because we had a twenty-five-year-old American grain whiskey. Yeah, that I was kind of like, well, there's twenty-five-year-old American grain. Here's forty-three-year-old Scottish grain. Um, 
there's a bit of a comparison going on yeah, there. What yeah, a sure. fun thing to be able to do on the table. And then, obviously, for a bit of scotch, here's the 28-year-old undisclosed Speyside that anybody who said to me, oh, I bought your Ben Nevis, loved your Ben Nevis 20, oh, yeah. I would say, yeah. have a taste of this. Yes. And everybody who loved the Ben Nevis loved the undisclosed Speyside. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, that Speyside, yes. It's so good. That's all. That's yeah, real crack. And the thing I was saying to people is, you know, it's the one that sold out of our warehouse in San Francisco first. If you see it on store shelves, buy it. Uh, because we're not able to send out more from our warehouse. And interestingly, that is from from the, the release that had that 28-year-old Speyside, that was the largest outturn because that was from a sherry butt. Yeah, Oloroso. So amazing that it, that's the one that sold out the quickest. Yeah, but I think it's also a bit of a screaming deal. You've got a 28-year-old sherried space cider that should be found on a shelf for somewhere around $200. Yeah. That's a, that's a cracking little deal there. Yeah. And I think puts it into a similar price point as the Ben Nevis that people were talking about. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're kissing cousins as far as price goes. There you go. Uh, also on the table, oh, yeah. because we're in Chicago... Because we did that really fun collaboration with Hello from the Magic Tavern, mm-hmm. I poured the thirteen-year-old stones of Stenness. Yeah, and it was it was interesting. Somebody come up came up and looked at the label and said, "Why is there a cedar on the, the label?" <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so Uzidor got to play the role of rabbi <laughs> for, <laughs> for someone last night on our label. That is. Hilarious. <laughs> uh, and talking about people who were in the room, uh, Adol Rafai, who plays yeah. Chunt the Shapeshifter. Yes. He, he was in the room roaming around last night. Yeah. And and I had a few people coming up to me asking, are any of the Hello from the Magic Tavern people, gonna, are they here? Are they going to be here? I said, well, if you look around, you may you may spot a uh, shape-shifting badger uh, <laughs> in the room. And, and Mo. Uh, Moana, who did our label, was there, who does all of our Jubilee labels and, and did the Stones of Stennis labels there. And she said, are any of them here? <laughs> <coughs> and I said, yeah, Adel's here. And and so we went on this this hunt for a while. She said, what, what was, you know, we're looking around. She said, what was he wearing? I said, I remember he was wearing a flannel shirt. Mm-hmm. Green. I couldn't remember the color at the time, but as soon as I said flannel shirt, I realized... Everybody was wearing flannel shirts in this room. It was it was like a Pearl Jam concert. There was just a lot of flannel going on. I thought I saw Eddie Vedder wandering around last night. Don't call me daughter. American bourbon. <laughs> That's not Pearl Jam. <laughs> I, I didn't say it was Pearl Jam. I kind of feel that you did. You oh? would be quite surprised okay. to look at our two peated offerings. It was really interesting, the number of people who come by and say, I'm looking to taste, looking to learn, but I'm on the non-peated right now, mm-hmm. and then I'm going to do some eating, mm-hmm. then I'm going to do a round of, mm-hmm. of peated. Smart, yep. And I think there was a fair amount of peated in the room last night. Especially right next to you, you had Port Escape. I did, I did, yeah. I did. That showed incredibly well. Oh, and actually on the other side, we had Coleman. <laughs> yeah, so, so you were sandwiched between <laughs> two really great peated whiskey 
brands. So, so I, I, I poured very little of our undisclosed Isla, uh, the Kalila, and and very little of our Crofton Gaia. I love that you're disclosing all of our undisclosed whiskeys. It's the Jubilee episode. It's a it's a select group of people who listen to it. So <laughs> <laughs> the normal amount of people who listen to this one. It's far fewer than the regular, and they all keep shtum. They all keep shtum. They're great. I trust our listeners implicitly. <laughs> and so, it's also you spend three hours telling people, this is undisclosed, it's Dalyuan. <laughs> this is undisclosed, it's Kalila. Well, the, you know... I always say to them, I can I can tell you, but I can't write it down. The thing is, and it's just that, right? And and that tends to be the the agreement. Talk about it. Don't print it, <laughs> which is weird. Um, but I guess you know, you know, it's, it's it's true. Once you put something into print, it has to be true if it's in print. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, the inter- if the internet has taught us anything, uh, you know, that it's once it's written, then you know it's got to be true. And so I think the distilleries say, well, they're not writing it. So if they're saying it, they're probably lying to you or creating rumors. So there you go. That's just, what the distillery say. I just enjoyed that little tangent that you went on, all while getting up, wandering around the room, resetting yourself in bed, <laughs> all the rustling of the sheets going on in the recording. I just thoroughly enjoyed that little tangent you went on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just sitting here quietly. Oh, my screensaver went on on the. Uh, oh, is that laptop. what that was? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I always get nervous if I can't see the the sound waves as we're recording. I thought you turned off that setting because it's been going to sleep after 20 minutes. Yeah, no, I, I thought I did too. Yeah. Okay. I think I may have turned it back. Well, here we are. Um, well, it's about to turn 8 o'clock right. on Friday morning. 8 o'clock on the Friday morning. morning after the Whiskey Jubilee Chicago. I can still come on the radio right now. I'm just summarizing for people where we're at in the podcast. How that music used to make me smile. American bourbon. <laughs> okay, so, so now that you've caught every up, yeah. everybody up to the fact that we've woken up, yeah. it's eight a.m. in Chicago in a hotel room, and I've I've talked about my table, I've talked about my pouring, I've talked about the nice people that came by. You, sir, yeah, were front of the house as we call it, mm-hmm. and you got some interviews. I did. I got so, it, listeners may remember that the select ones that listen to this episode may remember that last Jubilee episode, I don't think I recorded anyone. Yeah. No, it was the New York one. I think I recorded one person. And then the Seattle one, my the battery died on me. And uh, which, you know, poor planning. But this time I... You bested yourself this time. I did. You just forgot the whole recorder this time. <laughs> oh, you mean that kind of bested? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, but I used I used my phone to record, and I think it did a good job. Sounded like it when we ran some raw footage last night. Mm-hmm. Sounded all right, I think. Yeah. yeah, so we I had three different conversations. Uh, the first one, I stopped over to some new friends of ours, uh, a brewery that we had in the room called Noon Whistle. Mm-hmm. And Noon Whistle is a Snillnoy brewery. Still, you know, regional. They're they're not and I asked them about this, they're not distributed outside of Illinois. But in looking for a brewery to partner with, I reached out to the 
number one per- when it comes to Chicago, the first person I think of for beer is Armando Cobain from Warehouse Liquors. And uh, so I said, you know, Armando, who do you think would be good? He said, you got to do noon, noon Whistle. <laughs> and and so he connected us. Did your brain just stopped working? <laughs> no, my phone flashed. Oh, God, you're so distracted. <laughs> so my flight's telling me about my flight. Uh-huh. I'm not distracted. Okay, you uh-huh. ready? There it goes. Uh-huh. Face down. Yeah. I came in from... <laughs> yeah, it was... <laughs> your brain just shut down. I have to do Phone, shine. <laughs> Me see, phone, shine. <laughs> Numenal. Numenal. Who, who, who's Why the, am who's I saying Numenal? Noah. 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 You're trying to appropriate New Orleans again? Is that what you were doing? It sounded like you, I was saying no. numero. Numero. <laughs> but not telling you which numero it was. Yeah, so numero. Armando uh, Armando had suggested Noon Whistle, so he connected us to them. And we had to, to basically, together, decide what beers oh, lovely. Uh, that, that they wanted to bring. So I'm, I'm going to switch over to the tape now because you've got Matt Smith. He's talking about the brewery, talking about the beers that that they had at the table, and I can confirm, Jason, that the two beers that they had were outstanding. Like, they were of note. And I'm pleased to say I was able to taste them because attendees brought me pours because my business partner completely left me hanging on the beer front. (laughs) Cheers. Matt, right? Yes, sir. Okay. So I'm with Smith, right? Yeah. Matt Smith. You make it easy. Yeah. Like It's a pretty boring name. Yeah. Uh, Well... An easy name. So I'm with. Way to say boring, but it's okay. Is 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 Noon Whistle your brewery? You're on the team. No, so um, so I'm the sales rep for Noon Whistle. Uh, I've been with them about a year and a half now, and so uh, we specialize in a wide variety of different beers, um, from hazy IPAs to sours. We do a great milk stout named Bernie. Um, We do a lot of barrel aged beer, one of which we have here tonight. Which is Bob Ross did it, our barrel aged Scotch ale. Um, I love the name of that. Bob Ross did it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's actually probably our most popular beer. So we do a release once a year, usually around this time, uh, November, December ish, um, and yeah. people really love it. It's it's very complex, unique. Yeah. So well, it's and so it's it's in a series that you call the the gummy series. So so Bob Ross isn't in that series. Uh, Bob Ross is one of our barrel aged beers. We also have a series called the Gummy Series, um, which is our New England IPA or Northeast Style IPA series. Wait, I'm, I'm sorry. This is barrel aged? No. So, yeah. So the Gummy Series is not barrel aged. Yes. Um, Bob Ross did it is barrel aged, but oh, okay. the Gummy Series is our hazy or New England Style IPA yeah, series. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. None of which are barrel aged, but per uh, style, they're going to be hazy in color, obviously. Um, you tend to get a lot more hot flavor and aroma from the New England Style IPAs, so... They tend to be a lot more fruity, a lot more tropical. Uh, you get some floral notes in a lot of them. And then um, they tend to be lower in bitterness. So okay. unlike traditional West Coast IPAs, New England IPAs are a lot less bitter, yeah. uh, but contain a lot more hot flavor in a room. Yeah, that's what, so I really enjoy New England IPAs. Living in New England, a Connecticut boy. Oh, no, I um, So that, that's interesting to me because... 
you would think it would have less less of that hop influence would make it so that the maltiness comes through, but the maltiness isn't coming through. Rather, it's it becomes juicy and chewy and fruity. And so, why is that? So we actually in these beers we don't use a ton of sweet malt. Um, so a lot of the times we drink a malty beer. So like, for instance, Bob Ross, which is the other beer we have here tonight, that has a lot of darker, more sweet, caramely type malts. Yeah. Uh, New England IPAs tend to be a little bit lighter on the malt. Um, lighter is a bad word. They tend to use more pale malt, less sweet malt. Yeah. So for instance, uh, Gummy Pocalypse here is mostly Pilsner malt, which is a very straw-colored malt. You get a lot of bready notes, but not a lot of sweet notes to it. And then we actually use a lot of flaked oats in this beer. Um, which give it a little bit of that haziness and also add body. So you'll notice yeah. it's a little more round. Um, the body's a little thicker than maybe what you'd be used to. Uh, and that actually comes from the flake domes. Yeah, and that's one of the things, and if you need to pour for these people, um, beers that I hate are beers that are wet. Does that make sense? Where it's so thin, yeah. it doesn't lack, it, you know, it lacks that, that, that mouthfeel, that texture. And um, so can you repeat again what, what's giving you that texture? Yeah, so we use a lot of flaked oats in this beer. So if you ever made oatmeal, right, you get that kind of thicker water consistency in there. And so what we do is we add uh, flaked oats to a process called mashing. Yeah. And what that is is it's basically enzymes that um, pull the starches from the beer yeah. and convert those to fermentable sugars for the yeast to eat. And so when we add the flaked oats... What it does is it adds a little bit more of that thicker, velvetier, more creamy-type mouthfeel. Um, and so that's kind of what you're getting that that thickness from, I suppose. Are you distributed outside of Illinois? No. No, so we're basically the top half of the state. Okay. Yeah. Plans? Uh, hopefully, yeah. So we're, we're actually going to be going through an expansion next year. Okay. Uh, we're going to op- be opening up a much larger production facility, and so... Uh, you know, the hope there is to be able to support our current markets, and if need be, we'll open up new markets. So we'll see what, what the future holds, but yeah, big plans for New Whistle in the near future. Thank you so much for being here. Joshua, thank you for having us. Yeah, cheers. Absolutely. It's a good lad, that Matt Smith. Yeah, I met Paul. You met Paul? Paul came by the table. Oh, um, okay. Uh, I've got his business card in my shirt pocket, but mm. obviously I'm not wearing my shirt pocket right now. No. You're barely wearing anything right now. Seven eighths. <laughs> Seven and a half eighths. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so I so there were there were three noon whistle guys and and I'd met Paul too, but but it was Matt who who I'd been speaking with the whole time, you know, up up until the In the planning thing. stages. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That was good. Yeah. Yeah. It was lovely to have people come by and, and talk about the quality of the beer. And I think at a whiskey event, as much as, yes, people should be drinking water to stay hydrated and keep their palate refreshed, I think we can just go around and get an icy cold, top quality beer. Mm. Like, that's really, that's a nice reward for your palate for working so hard. It is. It is. And they had nice little cups Mm -hmm. to go along with it. So you're not, they're not handing out pints, but handing out good tastes, (laughs) good tastes. So who else did you get to speak to? I so I'm walking around talking to this person, talking to that person, making sure everybody who's at a table was had what they needed and thanked people for coming and supporting. 
and I was headed over to Joe Swanson's table. Now, Joe, he works with Douglas Lang and now Rasse Distillery. Uh-huh. And, uh, and Tweeddale Blend. Yes, familiar. Yeah. And a few other things. And in front of his table was Marty Duffy of Glencairn. Mm-hmm. And so I was going to talk to Joe. And I always enjoy talking to Marty. But then Marty started giving us, I don't know, maybe a little bit of shit. So he said, you know, I'm, I'm looking at your glasses here. Mm-hmm. And I noticed they're not necessarily the shape of the official Glencairn glass. And I said, oh, we need to talk. <laughs> so Marty Duffy is the U.S. guy for Glencairn. Uh, anybody need some Glencairn? You got you, you, you got to go through Marty. And, and so we talked a little bit about Glencairn and the fact that we don't use Glencairn. We use a different company. Uh, but he wasn't too upset about it. But we talked a bit about how iconic the Glencairn brand is. It just just the the shape of it. You have a Glencairn pin on your jacket. I do. Yeah. So we so we talked about that. How Glencairn is like the 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 Kleenex of of whiskey glasses, or the Xerox of whiskey glasses, or the Band Aids of whiskey glasses, or the Hoover of whiskey glasses. No, because you've got other brands of vacuums. That's terrible. Yeah, Dyson. Do you know what we call our vacuum in the United Kingdom? Hoover? A Hoover. Damn. You're just being schooled. You missed my joke. I just let that sit like a turd in a punch bowl. All right. Yes? So I'm feeling very uncomfortable right now. Because I'm... Is it because you're naked? It's because, it's because your hand is on my testicles. Here, let me move that there. Oh, now, to the left. how does it feel? Yeah, all right. There yep, you keep go. going. Almost comfortable. So I'm feeling a little uncomfortable because yeah, what the yeah. listeners don't know is that you, yes, and they will know this, are Marty Duffy. Martin Duffy Esquire. Es- no, not really. I'm not an Esquire. You're not an Esquire? Are you an ace? Uh, flying ace in the First World War. I'm very old. Yeah. Now I, I have. Isn't there an Iron Maiden song? That Iron Maiden song. I listen to Anya. And, and, uh, <laughs> so, so, so here's why I'm uncomfortable. Yes, sir. Because you are correct. We, the glasses that we have are not Glencairn glasses, and you, and you, I know, I know. Ow, it hurts me. Ow. You are the U.S. Grand representative for Glencairn, the sole U.S. I am the Kevin Costner in Dances with Wolves. Translate that into crystal whiskey glasses. That's what I am. Watch that movie. It's basically the same thing. I'm just glad that you said you're Kevin Costner from Dances with Wolves and not Kevin Costner from Waterworld. Can we talk about that? Whiskey World. <laughs> I could be on a jet ski in a big yeah. ocean of whiskey trying to fight off all the pretenders, all these folks trying to bring bogus whiskey glasses when there's only one. <laughs> it's Glen Karen. I'm sorry. Just how it is. So talk, talk to me about. So everybody knows Glen Cairn. It, in my opinion, when people talk about Kleenex, they say Kleenex 
because it's it's a tissue, right? But it's Kleenex. People use Band-Aids, right? But it's Band-Aids. When people want to copy thing, they copy things. They say, "Oh, I need to Xerox something." So Glencairn is that Kleenex Band-Aid Xerox? In a way. In a way. Your diapers. In a way. Thank you. Thank you for equating our beautiful crystal glasses to diapers. Um, the um, a lot of times you will see babies using our. Not for whiskey, not for drinking. Oh, okay, just okay, to okay. make that clear. Um, no, the uh, it's true that the glass has become so synonymous yeah. with whiskey that we've had events um, use the whiskey glass in their advertising as part of their logo. In fact. Oh yeah. And not know that it's actually a trademark. A trademark uh, little. But, but is that nitty. something that you would ever? No, we don't stop it. We actually, I mean, that's great. I mean, it's, it's advertising for us. But we do want people to know that it is an actual brand. Yeah. Glencairn is a brand. It's a family-owned company. It's been um, a family-owned company for two generations. Still made in the same little shop uh, in uh, Kil- East Kilbride, Scotland. Yeah. Uh, right outside of uh, Glasgow. Um and, you know, it's, it is funny. I've, I've been told a couple of different people use the Kleenex analogy. And it's hard to fight it because it is everywhere. You'll see articles. People will do an article about whiskey and they'll show, they'll show the glass next to a bottle of whiskey. Isn't that what you want to be, though? I mean, you, it's we do, ubiquitous. It's... We do, but, you know, it's funny. We don't, Glenn Karen doesn't get... The acknowledgement that it does, uh, you know, Ray Davidson, who just um, who, who invented the glass back in the '90s, um, was only last year, this past year, yeah, this past year, inducted into the um, the keepers, keepers of the Quake. I saw that. Yeah, I remember meeting him. That's like you brought him to Jubilee, New York, earlier this year. It no, was you that was and Lou. Jason. Oh, that was Jason. Yeah. They look alike, though. <laughs> oh, no, no. That was Jason Scott. Raymond is actually the uh, father. Oh, so Scott okay, okay, is okay. also just uh, recently was yeah. brought in. and I saw his picture. Yeah. But okay. it's funny that Raymond, after all these years, this glass has been around for about 17 years. And a lot of people think it's been around a lot longer. Yeah. Like the Brandy Snifter. Right. Um, but they're totally... Uh, unaware that no, it started about 2001. It was one man's idea. He says, you know, lots of brandy stuff there. That's no, no actual glass for whiskey, is that? You know, there's tumblers, sure, people put it in a rocks glass, but there's no glass for it. So he came up with the whole idea and they. They brought in five different masters, uh, master blenders uh, from five different companies to help um, refine it. And um, now it is kind of the the iconic glass that says whiskey. I've seen, I mean, it's funny when I just see, I'll see someone, it could be any article about whiskey, and there'll be a Glencairn glass. It might be full of whiskey, it might be empty. But they'll say, oh, the whiskey industry, blah, blah, blah. And they don't even show whiskey. They'll show the glass. It represents whiskey. That's kind of cool. Yeah. But no, yeah, it's Glencairn. It's uh, there. You can go to glencairn.co.uk. 
check out the website and we'll see. We actually shameless start out as a, I know. Shameless. <laughs> I'm shameless. The, the show on Showtime named after me. Shameless. I thought you looked high. Yeah. yeah okay. Me and William H. Macy. It's like doppelgangers. It's weird. <laughs> totally. But um, yeah, the uh, 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 the glasses. And you know, if you order it, I mean, a lot of people also see it. A lot of people, a lot of distilleries are buying it online. Oh yeah. From local vendors or off of Amazon. Those folks are all buying the glass from us. Yeah. And beware, there are glasses that aren't Glencairn. If it doesn't say Glencairn at the bottom, you know you're buying a glass from China. Hello. Uh, what a perfect way to end this interview. <laughs> Thank you, sir. In addition to all the, you know, all the distilleries that, that we're exhibiting, we also had some retail partners there, Warehouse Liquors, as always, at the Jubilee. Yeah, great support from Gene at the Jubilee. Great support the night before when we used his upstairs room to record the live podcast. Oh yeah. With Mickey Heads. Yeah, that's and that's that'll be the next episode. That was really fun. There's one thing that I wanted to say before I introduce the next segment, which is a conversation I had with Mary Chandler and uh, Mike Miller of Delilah's. Talk about warehouse liquors and how how you know they're huge supporters of of the Jubilee and how Gene was nice enough to to give up his seminar room for the podcast. Mm-hmm. I would say Gene went above and beyond by being a part of the podcast. Mm-hmm. This is a man that will admit at a certain hour he just turns into a pumpkin because he doesn't go out. And he doesn't really enjoy being social. Uh, But he made a point to stick around and stay out late and be what I thought was just a really valuable part of the conversation. Um, Yeah, very much so. Yeah, with with Mickey Heads. Yeah, he's incredibly passionate about his whiskeys. Yeah. uh, Scotch and American predominantly. But so passionate about it. and, And, you know, really committed to... To helping us in Chicago, yeah, uh, to be the best that we can be in this this fine city, yeah. And so between the the giving us a home for the podcast recording, which was a lovely little home, and then uh, also yes, he even helped me put table linens uh, on our. This is a man that does not need to be doing such. He things. does not. He really does not. <laughs> and so he was helping me with the table linens. He was putting the water bottles on the tables. All right. Um, yeah, he just he just like rolling up his sleeves and, and getting in there and getting the work done. So, yeah, good, good, good lad. Yeah. And really, it kind of goes to show the, the type of people that are whiskey fans in Chicago. And, and I say that as a transition into you speaking to Mike Miller, mm-hmm. um, owner of Delilah's, mm-hmm. uh, iconic uh, whiskey bar. Yeah. Uh, music venue. In Chicago, and yeah, he I he called a music venue. I, I'm not sure what I would call. I didn't want. I, I, should I say dive bar? It it is a dive bar. It's a punk rock dive bar where people come to have. And and Mike talks about this where people come to have good fun. Oh, and by the way, we've got a shit ton of whiskey on our shelf <laughs> and a really well curated wall. 
because I'm old now, I was using music venue to convey all of that. <laughs> See, if you go over there, you get to the music venue where the youngsters play the rock and the roll. <laughs> that was it. That was exactly it. Um, once you've got rock and roll music, you know you're in a dark, dark place. Yeah. yeah. So I went to see Mike and Mary because on their table they had two new Russell's Reserves Wild Turkey picks. And Mike went down to Wild Turkey to pick with them with the intention of the three of them getting together and finding one cask that they loved and and bottling that. And in the end, Eddie had his favorite and Jimmy had his favorite and, and, and Mike loved both. And so he said, well, why don't we just do both of these? So we could do an Eddie barrel and a Jimmy barrel. And so I started talking with Mary about that. And then Mike Miller came by and, and got to give us the, the skinny on how it all happened. Jimmy showed up later towards the end and they were they went back to it. They revisited the barrel and they decided that one was more Eddie style, one was more Jimmy style. And of course, Mike Miller being Mike Miller bought both the barrels when he was intending on yeah. buying one barrel. So we released them for Whiskey Week this past year in March and yeah. we had Jimmy and Eddie there at the bar. Yeah. Uh, you know, sampling out which each bottle that kind of yeah. distinguishes their style. The Eddie's a little bit more calmer, like I said, Sunday afternoon drinking. Yeah. And the uh, Jimmy is, you know, Saturday night you've been drinking all night and you want to go and party more. Yeah, it's, it's got this intense candied quality to it. Oh, it's hot it. in your face. Yeah. My question, and I don't know if I should be asking you this or Mike this, but I just wanted to get you on tape but so jimmy doesn't often pick with people nowadays correct so it was uh he was supposed to be there earlier in the day to my knowledge and they were kind of waiting around for jimmy waiting around for jimmy waiting around for jimmy and he did eventually show up for just for a tiny tiny bit because obviously the i mean the rag houses are also not the most easy places to maneuver around Uh Uh, Right, so Eddie was able to agree that that was more of his dad's style. Oh, okay. So Mike was there for a little bit. Oh, right, perfect. So we're we're talking about your we're talking about your uh, Russell's picks, and she's answered most of my questions. Hopefully, right. (laughs) Remember all of his stories. But so, (laughs) but let me ask you this, Mike. You want some eight point one Octomore? Yeah. I I know why Eddie picks what Eddie picks. I have an understanding of what Jimmy would pick, but I'm curious as to why you would pick these. First off, they're amazing. And I can't tell which one I like more. I think this makes more sense to the what what you think of as uh, as wild turkey, right? A bit more a bit more modern style with a hint of that funkiness going on. But that Jimmy Barrel, sorry, is so candied. Oh, it's so candied and 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 rich and and so I'm curious as to when you picked these barrels, what what was going on? So I sampled through 16 barrels that day with Jimmy and Eddie. Yeah. And the idea was we were going to agree on a barrel, yeah. the three of us. And then along the way, um, 
I was kind of looking for what I was looking for, mm. and then I was looking for Eddie and Jimmy to be like, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and barrel number six, Jimmy was like, oh, man, that's a real good barrel. That's a real good barrel. Yeah. And it was kind of what I was looking for. And then we kept tasting, we kept tasting, um, you know, barrel 12, barrel 13. Yeah. I had to get back to Bardstown, and Eddie had a meeting. We were running out of time. But I'm like, one more. Okay? So one more, barrel 16. Yeah. We popped that bong, and I was like, you know, you know me, I'm pretty decisive. Yeah. No? Oh, yeah. yeah. And, but now I can't decide. Barrel 16 is delicious, but completely different from barrel yeah, 6. what do you do? Okay? And Jimmy had to split and go back over to the, over to the distillery. Mm-hmm. So just me and Eddie at this point. And I'm at barrel 16, I'm at back barrel 6, I'm back to 16. And the whole idea was that the th- the start was that the three of us would agree on a barrel. Mm. And that didn't seem to ever really happen. But it wasn't, it wasn't like super, it wasn't like, like, it wasn't like uh, super apparent that that was what the case was. But then I'm back and forth and I'm back and forth. And then Eddie says, well, you know, Mike, that barrel you like over there, that's my style of barrel. And that barrel you liked before, that's Jimmy's style of barrel. And I realized at that moment my project was never going to come to fruition. Yeah. Because they were never going to agree. Yeah, exactly. So when I tasted through all those barrels, it wasn't, the idea wasn't to pick out a Jimmy barrel and pick out an Eddie barrel. That yeah, wasn't the idea at all. It was a unified, that's what you meant for. That project came to yeah. about because the last barrel was so good and so different. Yeah. And Eddie made that comment to me, and I just said... Can I have them both? <laughs> and then we can have the Eddie barrel and the yeah, Jimmy barrel. So and then really. we can expose people yeah. to the two dominant flavor profile styles yeah. that really define those yeah. two people. Yeah. So, and th- But this was not an anniversary pick, right? Because you had your 25-year right. no. compass box. No, this is also part of a bigger project. So it took me about a year to pull off getting all three of us there at the same time to do this. Then... The night before Whiskey Fest, we had the two empty barrels here, and I had Eddie and Jimmy in the bar, and they were both sitting behind their respective barrels, and they were each pouring samples of their respective profiles. Okay, okay. Okay, so if you want to talk about, to Eddie, about Eddie's whiskey, Eddie was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then we took the empty barrels to Low Res Brewing in Pilsen. We brewed a beer based on the wild turkey mash bill. Whoa. Flipping the barley and corn percentages. Are you telling me that they told you what their mash bill was? All right. So, Keep it so <laughs> we filled the barrels up with a beer, a custom beer we brewed with them. Yeah. And then we launched the beer on its own for our 9,000th straight day of being open party. Sick. I didn't know anything about this beer. And now in March, at Whiskey Fest, ideally, we'll have Jimmy and Eddie back for another sampling of those whiskeys yeah. with the single-barrel beers. Okay, so the beer has not been released. The original beer has been released. So the beer before going into barrels. Before going into the barrels. So this is March. So in March, we'll put out the barrel-age version. It's called Hot Rod Rascal. It's named after Jimmy. Yeah. Because he has the new rascal. Yeah. <laughs> so, right? Yeah. So we, we released the Hot Rod Rascal for our 9,000th yeah. straight day of being open party. Yeah. And then in March, we'll release the barrel-aged version of that beer that is yet to be named. And then ideally, we'll have Eddie and Jimmy back, again behind the empty barrels. But now you can taste the Eddie barrel next to the Eddie barrel beer. Amazing. 
And then same with the Jimmy. So two single barrel beers, and you'll be able to taste the nuance yeah. of those whiskeys yeah. in those beers. Are you kegging that beer or bottling it? It'll there'll be some keg, but it'll be primarily bottles. Okay. So people can get those bottles and take those bottles home. All right. And then you can try the base beer yeah, yeah, yeah. next to the barrel-aged version, too. Fucking brilliant. That's brilliant. So, you know, that's when people look at that and are like, oh, these are your barrel picks. And I try to explain to them, these are project whiskeys. Yeah, yeah. They go well beyond the idea. There's not a sticker. I love that. Not, I'm not against that. I, I think everybody should do that. Yeah. But what we do is, is uh, are these sort of projects. You know, the, the whiskey we did with you? Yeah. Project. Yeah. Right? A lot of hands touched it. The Jack Rose connection to yeah. it. Oh, exactly. Right? Yeah. Obviously, the, the stuff we do with Compass Box, yeah. Project Whiskeys. Yeah. This whiskey took eight years to come to fruition. And it's brilliant. Thank you very much. So good. It's so, really yeah, good. so we got, a, we got a round of that last night. Um, it's really good. Sorry I missed all you guys yeah, last night. No, it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. We had stuff going on. But it was, yeah, so we had, it was me, Ollie from Port Gig, Jason, Mickey came out. Yeah. Dan Kroll, a few other people, and just... And you know, Wednesday's my normal night behind the bar, too. Yeah. So, but I was in Madrid. Yeah, no. Spain calls. I'm in Madrid. Moving right along in search of good times and good news. With good friends you can't lose. This could become a habit. Opportunity knocks once. Let's reach out and grab it. Yeah. Together we'll nab it. We'll hitchhike bus or yellow cabin. Cabin? Sometimes people ask, well, can I buy those bottles? Yeah. And I tell them, no, they can't, but they can come and have them at the bar. Yeah. Like, oh, you know, and I said, well, you know, the idea of Delilah's is it's a community place. And people should leave their homes and they should come out and commune with other yeah, people. Yeah. And try fun stuff and talk about them. Without a doubt. And interact yeah, with each other. Yeah, yeah, And, you know, you can buy the Compass Box Delilah's, both editions, and take them home and enjoy them, of course. Um, but when I see the bottles on back bars around the world, that means our community is being represented around Amazing. the world. Yeah. And when somebody sends us a picture from Sao Paulo, it changed their experience maybe that night. Yeah. When we see pictures from Shanghai, and, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the friend from the bar has his arms around the bartenders and the bottles on the bar, that changed his night that night. Yeah. Our community was there. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, so that's, cool. that, yeah. that, that speaks like yeah. it's so important to us yeah. that our community exists beyond the walls. Yeah. But, you know... I have a, I, I collect whiskeys myself personally, and I have them in my home as well. Um, but I drink most of my drinking out, anyways, because it's just my 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 preferred. Yeah, there's a social aspect. It's like whiskey, spirits in general. It's always about having fun. Yeah. yeah when yeah. we opened 25 years ago, <laughs> there was no such thing as a whiskey bar. So we don't refer to ourselves as a whiskey bar. We're a bar that has a lot of whiskey. Mm. We're Mike's bar. Yeah. Okay. And the people who work with me. They must be interested in some aspect of what happens there, yeah. or they wouldn't work there. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's we're not casual observers. So, you know, I think that the people who are involved in Delilah's, they get something out of it more than just their job. And it's not perks as much as it is lifestyle. So yeah. for my team that was here tonight, they're learning. They're going to apply it to their jobs. Yeah. They're going to talk about what you're doing, yeah. but they're going to have fun, and they're going to invite people to come and see them when they're at their exactly. bar. It's not always about economics. Yeah. It can't always be about economics. Yeah. If, it's, if, if, if it's about fun first, you know, I look at it as, as, as it's simple. You can go out and spend 50 bucks and feel like you got totally ripped off and think about it. Or you can go out and spend 500 bucks and it'd be the greatest night of your life and never give it a second thought. Yeah. Okay? I mean, 
I've spent five bucks and felt like I got ripped off. It's all about the service. It's all about the experience. And at at the end of the day, are are we going out for an experience or are we just going out? I think in today's market, we've always approached Delilah's as being in the entertainment business. And we're there to entertain people and show them a good time. Yeah. We're in the fun business. We throw a party every day. And it just, that's our approach. Yeah. yeah. And it always has been. And, and, you know, there's no clock and there's no, like, yeah. we want to take you away. When, yeah. when, you know, when they close the door, the night will yeah. last forever. Yeah. <laughs> so you've been throwing a party for 25 years straight. Every single day, a unique party. Is, is there a burnout in sight or you're still rocking it? Nah, I'm pretty good, man. <laughs> but, you know, Part of the reason yeah. that we don't that, that I'm not burned out by it, a, I really I really have a great team of people around me. Yeah. That, that, that makes a big factor. We all enjoy each other's company beyond our work thing together. <clears throat> but also, because it's a unique event every single day, that complicates things, of course. Yeah. But it also means there's something fresh always around the corner. Like I'm working on events for tomorrow and next week, but also a year from now. That yeah. Those elements will build yeah. up to that. So we're always working towards something. We're not just opening every day. Yeah. And that's when people get tired out. Yeah. When it's just sort of not, yeah. when it's just, it creates an environment where your brain looks at things in a redundant manner. Yeah. So it's not right or wrong. But for me, throwing the party every day has always been the approach. And so I don't spend a lot of time thinking about, you know, everybody gets worn out. But, you know, I don't not want to go. Yeah. You know? Right. And right. because of yeah. the bar, because of Delilah's, it, it just like I was saying about my team, you know, I, 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 my opportunities of doing things that I enjoy in other parts of the world mm. are magnified. Yeah. So when I'm in Madrid and I'm out, I have friends in Madrid because when I go to Madrid, I go out and I own a bar and know the other bar owners, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. So it... it it just creates a different kind of an, an, an opportunity for me to to pursue my interests yeah. and my the, the, the upside. But you know, Mark Twain, right? If you if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life, yeah. right? Yep. Exactly. So that, that's very applicable to, to yeah. my world. Yeah. And yeah. you know, the downside is if if you do wear out, then you wear out and you don't want to do the things that you prefer to do. But you know, I'm into music and I'm into film and I'm into art. I'm into booze, and that's what we do. Yeah, yeah, perfectly. That's brilliant. Thank you so much. Your your support of everything that Jason and I do has been brilliant. And all we can say is we're thankful. Vice versa, brother. Yeah, cheers, man. Well, you know, it's a great event. Are we having a good time here tonight? Cheers. Focused. Um, fabulous. Thank you. You and I, Jason, after the Jubilee, and maybe before the Jubilee, you know, trying to figure out what this episode is going to be about other than, you know, the the post-mortem of this. The Jubilee. The, you know, this particular festival. But you and I got to reminisce a little bit on highlights of all that's happened over the past seven years of doing this festival. And some of the things, some growing pains and some of the things we maybe learned from. And I wonder if you want to share a particular story uh, from our from our second Jubilee. This was not from our first. This was from our second Jubilee. Well, it is funny that we talk about running out of juice, you know, having limited bottlings and running out of juice. Because at our second event in New York City, we had taken in something like 24 bottles of single cast nation yeah. to be pouring that night. 
and, and we were still so fresh, so new that we'd think, oh, okay, yeah, and then you know you'll pour this, and then we'll replace it with the same, and then we'll pour that again, and and we just had so much juice that we were walking around with um, that we actually lost 12 bottles of single cask. I'm going to correct you, sir. It was 14 bottles. <laughs> and by lost, someone stole. It was never proven. Have, Innocent um, until guilty. No, people stole that shit. <laughs> <laughs> but all at once. That was the thing. It's not yeah. like we'd left a box out and people went by and pilfered a bottle. All 14 yeah. got up and walked out the door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just in, in one or two boxes. Yeah. And that was an incredible, that was an incredible loss for such a young company <laughs> <laughs> at our own event. Oh my gosh, that made for a terrible after party. A little bit of a downer. Yeah. A little bit of a downer. Um, but yeah. Yeah, that's that's easily the worst thing that's happened to us uh, along the way. Yeah. What was the best thing? For you, what was the best thing? I would say, because it was the first event, because we put it together in four weeks, the fact that Ronnie Cox was there mm. uh, from, you know, formerly the Glen Rothes, uh, Berry Brothers and Rudd, the fact that he was in the room just suggested to me that we might be on to something. Yeah. Yeah, I, I had a similar thing. The fact that Nika launched their brand at our Jubilee. That's how Nika said, Hi, America, we're here. Here's Yoichi. Here's Takitsuru. Here is Miyagikyo, right? Here's wow. a major Japanese producer. And they're saying hello to America through Whiskey Jubilee. Was that at the first event it's as well? First event. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a remarkable little start for us. Uh, I'm really proud of those those two aspects of it. Uh, and then just to show that we never got too big for our our britches, um, and we've mentioned his name previously in this podcast. The fact that Mickey Heads added a day. Yeah. to a, a 10 or 12-day yeah. yeah. tour of the United States. Uh, he's been in California. He's been in Florida. Uh, here he is in uh, Illinois. Mm-hmm. And instead of going home to his wife, <laughs> to his hussy <laughs> uh, on Isla, he stayed uh-huh. for the Jubilee at uh, Dan Crowley, uh, a great group. Dan Crowell. Dan Crowell. Who's Dan Crowley? Is that Mr. Crowley. Actually, it's one of my friends in Virginia. <laughs> Dan Crowley. Oh, really? <laughs> so, Dan Kroll. Yep. At the insistence of Dan Kroll, who we'd love to get on a future episode. Oh, my gosh. He is so much fun to talk to. Yeah. Knows his stuff and loves learning as well. Yeah, That's going to be good. Terrific brand ambassador yeah. for both Glenmorangie and Ardbeg. Yep. Um, at his insistence, he got Mickey to stay for the Jubilee. Yeah. That's yep. really... Really terrific. So, and so, yeah, so here we are, you know, that was our 13th event. Regular listeners will know we've had 12 festival bottlings. This is important to Joshua that you all know this. And our 13th event. And we're we're giddy that Mickey Heads is in the room. Oh, I know. Right? Uh, Simon Brooking. uh, Yes. He he of longstanding Lefroy and and longstanding Beams and Dory fame. um, he, He shows up and I'm just... 
Like it's Simon Brooking. It's I know. how cool to have Simon Brooking at our yeah. event. Yeah. And he's been a terrific champion for the Great Isla Swim Bottle. Uh, even to the point of um, he's showing the Great Isla Swim movie at Beam Centauri HQ in Deerfield today. And it's amazing. And and wanted our GIS bottle, Great Isla Swim Bottle, to pour with that showing at Beam Centauri HQ. Uh, crush, crushed me that we we weren't able to coordinate getting a bottle out yep. in time for him. Uh, that really that crushes me that we're that it's just taking so long, period. But uh, well, that's a story for another day. That is a story for another you, day. You know, a fond memory that I have, and, and this is back to to our second Whiskey Jubilee, the one where we lost 14 bottles. A highlight <laughs> for me was that David Stewart of the Belveni mm-hmm. came out. And I'm, I'm talking with him and we're, I'm just, you know, nice conversation about the Balvenie. You know, I'm honored to have you here. And in mid-conversation, he just sort of pauses and he's looking around. And he looks at me and says, you guys really have something here. <laughs> this is this is an impressive show. You should be proud of this. And to have someone like that, you know, he's now over 50 years in the industry, saying nice things when he doesn't need to be saying nice things. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, yeah, that, that's a me- that's a memory that's stuck with me, for sure. Yeah, I will. I'll say in Seattle, uh, at our first year, I was saying this to somebody last night. As we go west, uh, the number of Jewish attend attendees drops. As yeah, well. so New York's got the most. Chicago's got the second most, and, and Seattle's got the the fewest. But I remember at our first show in Seattle, the number of young Seattleites who would swing by and I'd say, how's, how's it going? How's it going? I always ask this of attendees. How's the show going? How, what kind of feel do you have about the show? And obviously, you know, people are always very complimentary. But young Seattleites would say, the food is remarkable. The <laughs> food is amazing. Yeah, I've never had kosher food. And it's delicious. Yeah, And... And for some people, that's just simply called food. And <laughs> and they like it. And they like it a lot. <laughs> so yeah. I was I was really proud of being, you know, we've always stood behind our kosher buffet. Uh, we've always had proper certification for that kosher buffet. Mm-hmm. And so to lay it on in Seattle, where we maybe didn't need to, if, if ever we were going to cut a corner on a kosher buffet, Seattle no, it's true. presented that opportunity. Which we never wanted to do, but if we had to. Exactly. Yeah. And so for us to still stand behind kosher food in Seattle and then open eyes to good food being good food, mm. yeah, that made me really happy as well. So very, very proud of, of what we established in that city as well. And I've got to say, and I'm proud of you, Jason. <laughs> Do you know I'm proud of you? <laughs> because a few years back you said, we've got to get Seattle as part of, you know, one of the markets that we bring the Jubilee to. This is a good whiskey town. And I was hesitant just because I knew the the, the weird laws in, in Seattle. Yeah, it's not an easy location, yeah. but it's a rewarding location. And... 
and it ended, you know, I love all three events, but it was the first event. And, and we mentioned this, I think, in, you know, the postmortem episode uh, earlier this year for the Seattle event. It was the first Jubilee event period where we sold out four months ahead of the actual festival. Four months makes for a good story. It was two months, but four months makes for a much better story. I thought we sold out in December. It's in March. No, we sold out like early January and it was in early March. Revisionist history. (laughs) (laughs) I even love the fact you get from December to March being four months. Oh, yeah. (laughs) January, February, March is three. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. But, but don't let that diminish from the fact it sold out two months in advance. We New Yorkers don't move that fast. It's a fast, fast city. Yeah. They don't move on their ticket purchasing. No. That fast. I think the best we've done in New York is selling it out a week early, maybe. Yeah, a week maybe, and a half. T- yeah, maybe 10 days. Yeah, I think it was exactly nine days. <laughs> I think it was exactly nine days, seven <laughs> hours and 42 minutes. Uh, 13 seconds. Early. Yeah. Um, Chicago is easily the slowest. Midwesterners are... It's all the cheese. Actually, I think it's all the gravy in their blood. (laughs) (laughs) They need the gravy to to withstand this cold. It's so cold. Um, Although last night, stepped out of the Jubilee. It was so pleasant. I was just in my short sleeve shirt. Yeah. So pleasant. Yep. Um, And so, yeah, so Chicagoans move real slow on their ticket sales. And then, boom, Seattle, two months early. Yeah. Great, yeah. great, great, yep. great people yep. and yep. great support. So good uh, on you for suggesting the city. Well, thank you. Well, yeah. I, I, it was obvious to me. I I spent nine years living four hours east of Seattle uh, in the inland northwest in the Palouse. And then we moved from there to um, the peninsula of Washington State mm-hmm. and lived there for a year. And so I got to attend a number of whiskey events. And and I always said the same thing. Seattle is is desperate desperate for a big whiskey event. Desperate. Hmm. And it has to hit the young people. It's such a young, hip crowd in Seattle. Over 21, though. (laughs) Some things, I think, go without saying. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we we did not think about having a whiskey festival for 15-year-olds. Oh, this whiskey's brilliant. You know... You know you're not understanding how old you're getting when you have to point out, oh yeah, when we say young people, we mean over 21. (laughs) (laughs) You're 55, dude. Like, everyone's younger than you. 44, for the record. December 6, 1973, if anybody is... uh, More gifts? Yeah, yeah, more goods. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I I knew that if we could get an event, and like you rightly point out, with with kind of some of the vagaries of Washington State law, mm. it's not the easiest place, and not not all brands have a presence in that market. Exactly, uh, because it's a, a difficult little market. But I felt like if we built it, they would come. And come, they did. They, they 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 gushed in the doors. There's a load of people. <laughs> You know what I liked about th- that event is is just how it how it finishes. Selling out two months early felt like you know whiskey ticket sale bukkake. <laughs> oh, golly, golly, uh, golly okay. Gachi, so should we tell people why we're reminiscing? Yeah, it's interesting having this conversation 
Because now it's starting to hit. <laughs> it's it's right? that awkward moment when you have to tell somebody that it's you and not them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we've had 70 years of successful whiskey shows, 13 of them. With 12 bottlings? With 12 bottlings. Oh, look at you pointing things out. I know it's important to you. And I think we got to the point, especially last night, it felt like a perfect night, except for the fact that our uh, cigar partner sadly fell ill and, uh, and and couldn't come. So we didn't have cigars last night. That was That was the one sort of hiccup of the night. But I feel like we got to the point where we perfected this show, in our opinions, for what we wanted it to be. If you set out to say, I want to build something and this is what I want it to look like, I feel as if we finally got it to what we want it to look like. Well, I think what's interesting is, given that we built the first one in four weeks, yeah, the only thing we had to go on was we were whiskey show attendees. Yeah. And we knew what we liked and we knew what we didn't like. Mm-hmm. And so when it came to that first jubilee, we wanted to build a whiskey show for whiskey geeks. Yeah. That was... That's it. Simple. That was it. Yeah. And as much as it was a, a smaller show, maybe about 250 people in the room, 30 exhibitors. For the first show? Yeah, I, th- I think that was the number. Memory reserves, yeah. In a synagogue. Yeah, the top floor. Community room. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely remarkable. Um, even then, yeah, we started to hear from people, like, this is terrific. The, yeah. the kosher food from Ari Hawaii, absolutely loved it. I went to a whiskey show, yeah. I could eat everything that was there. Yes. Yeah. How tremendous. Yeah. Went around the tables, um, you've got the little guy, you've got the big guy, mm-hmm. and you've got everything in between. Like That's that's what carried the whole model mm-hmm. uh, right the way through the seven years. And the one thing that is obvious, if you're a whiskey fan, if you're in the industry... There are a lot of whiskey shows. A lot of them. In the US, yep. in the UK, in Europe. There were far fewer whiskey shows when we started our whiskey show. And now it's, it kind of feels like us as bloggers, right? You start off as bloggers, <laughs> there's not a lot of them. And then, uh, and then there's a ton of them. Well, you even said last night in Chicago, there were two whiskey shows. Two whiskey shows, same night. Right. And, and and on one hand, I don't think we pulled from the same demographic. Uh, we've got the Whiskey Jubilee, and they were bourbon and bacon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're, we're very proud of our kosher buffet, and they're serving bacon. Exactly, yeah. So it's, yeah, they're not, they're not catering to, you know, a fair percentage of our clientele. <laughs> and then I think I heard Binnie's have got a show tonight. Yes. Uh, so the the night after the jubilee, there's yeah. something happening in Benny. So so there's a lot of this going on, and so <laughs> <laughs> and 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 so what what we thought of, and I, and I, I'm brought back to this episode of Seinfeld. Oh no, this is going to be over my head. Yeah. No. Oh yeah, it will be over your head. But there's this episode of Seinfeld where George Costanza, he he found that. He'd come into a room, he'd say something really funny, people would be laughing. He's like, I'm going to leave on a high note. He's like, Phew, done. And he's out and pe- because he wanted people to remember his him being funny. Yeah. 
And it gets worse. The team working on the statue in Lafayette Square kind of over-smoothed it. They ground the head down to about the size of a softball. And that spells trouble. All right, well, why don't we smooth the head down to nothing, stick a pumpkin under its arm, and change the nameplate to Ichabod Crane. <laughs> That is so smart. That is so good. I always overstay my welcome. I've heard that about you. I'm doing it right now. And and so with that in mind, and because Jason, you and I have some some things planned for 2019. We do. That we will not divulge right now, but but uh, it's going to be pretty intensive. But with that in mind, uh, Jason and I have decided to put the Jubilee on permanent hiatus. It is. It is. It's the it's the mothballing yes. of a whiskey festival. Yeah, that's, that's a really good way to put it. I'm known for it. And so it is interesting because this episode goes live on the 23rd. Yeah. I don't know. I just said yes without like <laughs> goes live on the goes live on the twenty first. That's what I said. The twenty first. Yeah. So this is live on the twenty first of November. At this point, this news will already be out in the world. It will be. There will be a. There will have been a press release. Yeah. We will have said these things, but I want our listeners to know that we're recording this for the very first time <laughs> to tell them. Yeah even though they're not going to be the first to hear this. Yeah. In in our minds, as we're recording it, they are the first to yeah. hear this. The thing that I want to let people know is that this is not an easy decision. This is something that we've actually talked about over the past couple of years. Wait, like when? When to? Like, yeah, when, when to do it. Because when we started this company, we did not set out to be an event coordinator. Yeah, very true. We, we set out to be an independent bottler, and that is what we always wanted to be focused on and didn't want too many things keeping us from a path that we wanted to go down. Well, and to the point where we're New York, Chicago, and Seattle, I was in New Orleans, as, as our listeners know. I got asked, do you think you'll bring the Whiskey Jubilee to New Orleans? Mm. I go to Atlanta. You're bringing it here? Um, even we're not going to cities. Mm-hmm. The LA people desperately want one. Oh, Austin. Boston people want yeah. one. Austin people want Detroit. one. Detroit. <laughs> uh, there's like Miami wants one. Miami desperately wants yeah, one. Yeah, right? And and so the list goes on and on and, and people are looking for it. But like you had said, there are whiskey shows just sort of, I feel it's it's getting saturated. Oh, it is. And you, you, and you talk to industry people. Yeah. And you say, what shows are you doing? And oh, and yeah. everyone kind of, well, I got to go here and do that one. I really like that one. I got to go over here and do this one. Mm-hmm. It might become something. Like it's it's their focus as well. And, and the thing that we're seeing, and this is a good thing for our listeners to pay attention to as, as they're attending other shows, yeah. is the number one thing we hear on the industry side is who's your retail partner? How how are we closing the loop mm. on people who come to your show, mm-hmm. who taste through a bunch of stuff, who love a bunch of stuff? Yeah. Our 
representatives put in a bunch of time to make sure they love that stuff? Yeah. Are they buying the bottle? And and so it, we've tried to close that loop. We can only close it so much. Yeah. And yeah. I think if, if our listeners watch closely, I think you're going to see more large-scale retailers take on the role of showrunner. Um, Binnie's is doing a fantastic job of right. it. Julio's in Massachusetts is doing it. Right. You know, there's more that are doing it. Yeah, yeah. They, they've, they've, they've got a ticket price that reflects they're not having to rent the space in their own building. Yeah. They've got every single relationship within the industry mm-hmm. because the bottles are on their shelves. Mm-hmm. And if someone tastes at this table over here, they can now walk to that shelf over there exactly. and take down a bottle. Yep. Yep. That, that's a loop. That it's called ROI, my friends. Look, there you go, right? Yep. <laughs> I can't think of anything quickly. <laughs> <laughs> All I can think of was rite of passage, but I can't turn an I into passage. So. Let's wrap. <laughs> <Don't know. laughs> And so, so I, I think we're going to start seeing more of that. I think if you're a big store like a, a Total, like a Specs, like a Binnie's, uh, I think we're going to see them hosting these larger events. And I think that's where consumers will spend their money. And I think, and, and I think consumers, one of the questions we get at the table is, do you have anything tonight I can buy? Yeah. Oh, you've got a festival bottling. Can I buy it tonight? Yeah. Like people who go to, to, to attend a show want to go home with something. Mm. And the laws of the land aren't set up to allow that at festivals. Nope. So if you're a big, the US. big retail store with yeah. the space, there you go. Everybody's yeah. happy. Yep, so. yep, yep, yep. Yeah. So, yeah, so you and I, uh, t- to focus on why we're doing it, 2019, big, big year, a lot of travel involved in that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we really want to go back to putting a stamp on the independent bottling part. Of our presence in the market, without a doubt, and and while we grew by leaps and bounds in 2017, adding on the retail line and then building on the strength of that in 2018, 2019 is going to be an ambitious year. It is. It is hugely ambitious, and we will keep our listeners informed all the way along the line. Yeah. Uh, when we can share, we will share. But and yeah, there's just no room in our calendar. Uh, no. to be spending you know, every day. Every day every involves day. a jubilee yeah. task yes. because, you know, we should have started the Seattle planning even before last night's November oh, Chicago yeah. event. Yeah. And... Well, we spend six months for yeah. each event yeah. planning for a three-hour event. <laughs> and Which is a brilliant three hours. It's, it's a brilliant three hours. But if you have three events and you need six months to make that happen, there are not 18 months in a year. Unfortunately not. Right? Uh, so <laughs> There's also not 25 hours in a day. And but there these are, are all things we need. There are eight days a week. American bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's sitting talking about it. I'm just thinking about all the people that I see come by the table, everybody you see when you're out walking yeah. the floor, to not have an opportunity to see them at a yeah. jubilee yeah. is a sad thing. It does make me sad. What we then need to do yeah. is keep getting into the New York market, into the Chicago market, into the Seattle market to see those people. To, yeah. To do single cast nation pourings and see those people. Get a little more personal. 
too. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what I see our future being. Yeah. Instead of standing behind a table at a festival for three hours, it's going to be out in the marketplace seeing those yeah. same faces. Yeah, I mean, you be what if it's you behind a table or if it's me walking around a floor, they're short burst conversations. Correct. Right? Correct. Where we can get them smaller and, and, and have deeper conversations and spend more time. And Yeah. So there you go. Now, I, I think you've used the right term. I think mothballed is the correct term. There are distilleries that reopen that have been mothballed. So this isn't saying we are taking the dog out back. <laughs> this is just saying that we need to refocus and we may come back. It could be like Fugazi. Fugazi went on permanent hiatus. You and I'm, fucking Fugazi. Oh, gosh, I hope they come back because I used to love their shows. Every day of the week, Fugazi this, Fugazi that. American Bourbon. <laughs> that was their big hit. <laughs> it was their big hit, which is weird for Ian Mackay because he's, you know, he's a teetotaler. Um, yeah, so so that's it, Jason. Are we getting out here on this? We don't even have any whiskey in our glasses. Oh, I will say this. What did we uh, celebrate the end of the Jubilee with uh, last evening? And with some select friends as well. Yes, yeah. He's been on our podcast before, and we've mentioned his name since then. But Ali Chilton of Port Askeg was out, and he came out for the New York Jubilee. He came out for the Chicago Jubilee. He was very excited to experience Seattle True. next year, and, and we had to bring him into the fold and, and tell him of our plans. And in the end, I I think slash hope he, he agrees we made the right decision. He'll find another reason to get to Seattle. Yeah, yeah. But it was his birthday on November 2nd. Mm. And we've visited with Ollie in London, and he's always been so generous with his pores. We've tasted stuff that I don't even think we're allowed to mention here on this podcast. And it would be Tregosh to mention it would be and, and so it was his birthday, and I'm thinking, what would Ali like? And and I remembered when when you and I were in London in early October, he had a bottle of nineteen seventy-three Long Grow. That was delicious. Delicious. As well. and I he, remember that. He described it as proper good fuck off whiskey. <laughs> His words, not mine. And so I thought that I should bring with me some proper good fuck off whiskey. And I think that's a good challenge to rise to, isn't it? It is. And so I, th I thought to myself, self, what do I have on my shelf that I can bring? And were you the self on the shelf? I was the bench on the bench. <laughs> and and I remembered I had a bottle of 1973 Springbank. Bottled by Sam Maroli, bottled in 1988, and bottled at a very unusual strength of 50% alcohol for Sam Maroli. Sam Maroli is 40, 43%, mm -hmm. sometimes higher, but rare, rare sense teeth. And I'll tell you, that was one of my favorite bottlings. And I had a little bit left. And so I dumped it all into a sample bottle. And we had Ollie, yourself, Michael Nolan, Bonnie Nolan. Michael Bloom. Who else did we have? Did Mo get a pour? Don't think Mo got a pour. Yeah, it was the end of the night. A little. Hazy. I was starting to stress out as well because we need to get people out the door and we're having a celebratory trial. Well, we toasted to Ollie and to his good health. And I, there's 
nothing more important, in my opinion, uh, than sharing. Well, there are things far more important. <laughs> when it comes to the whiskey world, <laughs> there's nothing more important. Good job self-editing on that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> uh, than, than sharing good whiskey with great people. When it brings us, brings us back to yeah. what we ever look to start with Single Cast Nation. Yeah. Build a community yep. around That's whiskey. It. Yeah. Let's all have whiskey in common. Yeah. Let's have conversations off the back of that. Exactly. And that's what we've done with Single Cast Nation Independent Bottling. It's what we've done with Whiskey Jubilee. It's what yeah. we've done with our Whiskey Geek Tours. Mm-hmm. And as part of that ongoing visiting with the community, is we're going to try and take our podcast on the road a little bit next year. We are. We, we have, I think, two events planned out of country. Yep. But we're going to try to bring the show on the road and, and, and figure out where else we might be able to do some live shows because each time we do one, I think it just gets more and more fun and we I think we do a better and better job Yeah, from our perspective. Yeah, the, the one with Mickey, I came out of it brilliant. over the moon. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely over the moon. Yep. Yep. Um, so, okay, let's, let's get out of here on this. We'll leave the, the listeners to look forward to the Mickey Heads episode, mm-hmm. live podcast recording at Warehouse Liquor in Chicago. Yeah. We'll leave the listener to look forward to that. And we will say to the Whiskey Jubilee and to all those who attended her. Yes. Many cheers. Many. Many thanks. Many. And we'll see you with some other adventures. We will do. Cheers, Joshy. Cheers, Jason. You know what I, you know what I, and, and I'll, I'll start talking about, um. There's no sentence here. <laughs> you know, Bubba, and I thought, uh, Bubba, Bubba, oh, you do, do you know? And, uh, and oh, I don't know, I don't know. Jason. Bubba, Bubba, Bubba. Before. <laughs> I have literally no idea what you're trying to communicate. <laughs>